Well, hello and welcome everyone to what is episode 10 of our Spirecast series. I uh, can't believe it's 10 uh, and, and we're a perfect 10 today because we've got a great guest and a great topic to talk about. Spirecast is really just one of our ways of doing one more thing to help put ministry and the best ideas that are out there into actionable steps and and just to interact with some great experts and some great content from our Spire conference that occurred in 2020 and let you ask some of your biggest questions and get a chance to dialogue with other ministry leaders all over the place. And so welcome everyone. We're really glad you're here. It's a really important topic. I wanna to introduce our guest today. Katie Cole is with us. And uh, Katie, we're gonna ask uh, if you can bring Katie on. Um, we wanna be able to meet her. Some of you who participated in the 2020 virtual Spirecast recognize Katie. Welcome Katie, glad you're with us. Thank you, Ben. I'm really excited to be here and with all your listeners. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I, we were kind of commenting uh, in the pre-show. Um, I feel a little bad. I'm looking at that beautiful background you have. It's it looks <laughs> like I just want to go sit in your living room with you, and I feel bad. I've got I've got bland beige blinds behind me, but hopefully they won't distract from the program today. So it's great to have you with us, Katie. I really appreciated what you shared. Uh, at our Spire conference, and I know particularly our women leaders did too. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you again today. So one thing we want to do before we jump in and get to hear um, from Katie is uh, announce a contest winner. Uh, so if you've been following along on Instagram, I hope that you are. If you're not, get get fired up about that and get uh, to where you can follow us on Instagram. And you could have a chance to also win the huge, the huge prizes that uh, we're giving away here. So today we have a winner to announce. Um, if you tagged someone, uh, you are eligible to win this contest. If you tag someone in the Instagram ad for this program, and we have a winner, and this is so fun for me to announce, our winner is Jenny Crichton. Uh, she's a winner of our contest. Jenny is also one of the pastors on our staff at Mountain Christian Church where I serve. And uh, so that's super fun for me to be able to announce that. She wins a copy of Katie's new book, Finding Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, um, as well as uh, an eight-week uh, leadership development series that Katie has put together that goes along with the book and has a bunch of Katie's favorite leadership lessons all packed in there. And so congratulations to Jenny Crichton. It pays to be on Instagram and to pay attention to, uh, to these things that are going out there. Um, here's the deal. Katie was just feeling super generous. She's like, hey, I know. Let's do something to bless a whole bunch of other uh, viewers as well. So if you're joining us live today, um, here's your opportunity. If you um, didn't win and your name is not Jenny Crichton, you can still win a copy of this book um, and I think the eight-week leadership development series. Yeah? Okay. Yep, we're, absolutely. we're just throwing it in. Katie's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So here it is. If you will um, post within 24 hours on Facebook this live stream, you also can be a winner even if your name isn't Jenny Crichton. So within 24 hours, 
post the link to this live stream so that people can view it obviously on demand at that point. You can also um, win a copy of Katie's new book, Finding Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days, and also the eight-week leadership development series. So why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Okay. Um, Katie, uh, you were so helpful in our Spire conference for male leaders like me and for female leaders like the ones on our staff who look to you as such a source of strength. One of the things they keep telling me is um, we really appreciate and need men to advocate and create opportunities and listen and, and, and help us tell us that they see things in us. But what they need is women leaders that they look to as um, role models and as pace setters and also just they want to learn leadership from great women leaders. So in advance, thank you for what you're doing and how you've been called into this. There's a great introduction um, in the video we're gonna see. So I won't repeat that introduction of Katie. It tells a lot about some of the things that she's done um, that are so important that qualify her to, to be our presenter today. But Katie, unless you have anything else to add, let's jump in and we'll watch the video and download some of this content. You have anything else to throw in? No, thank you so much for the compliment. And yeah, it sounds good. Let's get going. All right, let's let's jump in and let's let's go back to uh, Spire Conference 2020, Katie Cole. It is so great to be with you today. My name is Katie Cole, and I want to talk with you about three simple steps you can take to access some of the dormant leadership potential that is sitting in your church right now. I stumbled into this topic a couple years ago when I was working with large multi-site churches who were trying to scale their growth. They had more than enough vision. They even mostly had enough finances. But what they were missing were enough qualified and competent ministry leaders. As we were working on their leadership development strategies and ideas, they would stop and ask me about what they could also do to do a better job with the female leaders on their team. Now, I have been in full-time ministry for over 20 years, and I had never had anyone ask me that question before. In fact, it actually happened so many times with so many different churches that I started to realize God was probably trying to get my attention about this. So I decided to launch a research project on the topic about how we as church leaders can do a better job to develop the female leadership gifts in our churches. And the answers surprised me. It actually had very little to do with the church's theology, the size of the church or the area of the country that they did ministry. What it came down to was the individual practices of the leaders and the types of cultures they were creating. The individual practices of the leaders and the kinds of cultures they were creating. In my book, Developing Female Leaders, I actually unpack all eight practices that we uncovered in our research. But I wanna share with you today three simple steps that will begin to move you in the right direction, especially in our current context. Step number one is to clarify your theology. It's easy to assume that this is mainly a theological issue, and I get it. We all come from rich backgrounds where this has been often a difficult and emotionally charged topic. But what we found in our research is that a church's theology actually had very little to do with how well they developed female leadership and their gifts. We found really conservative churches that had women leading at all levels of their organization. And we found more progressive churches that had almost no women leading, especially at high levels of leadership. What actually kept women from engaging in leadership was not having a clear understanding of what the theology of her church was and how to lead within those boundaries. It was confusing and that was wasting a lot of energy for everyone. So when you take the time to articulate what you believe and how this should play out in your church and your culture, you free up women to step into all sorts of leadership that they may have assumed was not actually open to them. 
You also equipped your guy leaders to invite more women into leadership opportunities. As a side note, by the way, when you bring clarity to your theology, be sure to spend most of your time explaining where women are welcome to lead rather than spending the most time talking about where they're not allowed to lead. We've gotten this a little backwards in the past. Step number two is to reach beyond the sticky floor. You've probably heard of the glass ceiling, those invisible barriers and limitations that tend to block women from advancing in leadership. In the church world, we call this the stained glass ceiling. And they are real and important to address. But what we have found a bigger issue is actually called the sticky floor. Those are those internal thoughts and dialogues happening inside a woman's mind that tends to keep her feet stuck to the floor and prevent her from taking advantage of leadership opportunities that you're probably offering her. For example, in one research project that we learned about, we found that men and women actually look at job descriptions and leadership opportunities very differently. If a man looks at a job description for maybe his career or a volunteer role, if he feels confident of about 60% of what's on the job description, he applies for the job, he figures he'll get it, he'll kind of fake it till he makes it, he'll Google it, he'll learn what to do. When a woman looks at a job description, however, she looks at it very differently. She has to feel confident about every single thing on that job description from day one, or she won't even apply. She won't even apply for the job. Think about that. That changes everything. When you take the time to reach beyond the sticky floor and to talk about that job description with a female candidate and say, this is what I see in you. You're already doing many of the things on this job. In fact, we'll actually train you. You don't have to have a lot of experience. We would actually not even expect you to be proficient in this job for at least several months. You decrease the sticky floor, you increase her confidence, and you help her to see herself the way you see her, a competent qualified, gifted, and anointed leader that God is positioning to have a role of influence in your church. When you take the time to step over that sticky floor and speak truth and life and vision in her, you not only get to fill your great leadership positions, but you get to equip and empower a new leader that will be loyal and faithful to your leadership in your ministry for years to come. And step three, practically help working moms. Supporting high-capacity female leaders in all the roles and callings of their life has always been an important part of a healthy church, but it is even more critical now during this pandemic. Barna had already documented that professional women were leaving the church in record numbers, up to 27% a year. They also found that 43% of women said they do not feel any kind of emotional support from their church. That's nearly half of women feel they are not getting the emotional support they need from their church. And this is before a worldwide pandemic hit. So now with working from home, virtual school, and demands of family members with compromised health, women are feeling the stress and the strain more than ever. And as the church, we have the opportunity to step in, to not only minister to them, but to support them as co-laborers. So a few things to take a closer look at in today's world. First, in addition to many schools being closed or only part-time, it is estimated that 40% of childcare facilities will never reopen. So what can you practically do to help the, with the extra childcare needs of your female leaders and the women in your congregation? Second, Women are experiencing more fatigue and stress during the pandemic because they are not only working full-time jobs, but their work at home has increased to an additional 71 hours per week. This is putting strain on many parts of their life, especially their spiritual health. So how can you speak into this during your weekend messages? What practical ways can you support women during this critical season? And third, your team has probably spent a lot more time on Zoom and with flexible work schedules than ever before. Please don't be too quick to throw this away. 
Flexible work schedules not only increase productivity and morale for your whole team, but they are environments in which female leaders tend to thrive. So consider adopting some of these flexible work practices to continue even after your offices have reopened. Working moms are the backbone of many of our churches. Putting them at the top of your ministry priority list for this season will not only keep your church strong in a challenging time, but you'll be equipping female leaders to continue to thrive in your church after this pandemic is long gone. The verses I keep coming back to on this subject is found in John chapter 17. Jesus is at the end of his life and is saying his goodbyes and having a final prayer with his disciples. Of all the things he could pray for, better ministry strategies, more evangelism, more faith, he actually chooses to pray for unity, our unity. We are the disciples yet to come in his final prayer. He knew that if we could work past our differences and bring all our gifts to the table, that it would stand out as so unique in a world of division that lost people couldn't help but take notice and see how much God loves them. We have the opportunity, but it will require that we lead differently. One of the reasons I am so passionate about helping churches develop their female leaders is because women are the minority in leadership, but they are the clear majority in most of our church congregations. If we can adjust our individual leadership practices and the types of cultures we are building, this could be our gateway issue to becoming better at including all sorts of minority leaders that are currently not being used in ministry the way God designed it. By starting with some of these simple steps, clarifying our theology, reaching beyond the sticky floor, and practically supporting working moms, we can begin to see our churches thrive as everyone brings their full leadership potential into our ministries and toward the kingdom missions that God has called us to. Okay, um, such a good and important and timely word. Katie, let's unpack it a little bit and let me just invite any of our viewers to feel free to throw in uh, questions in the comment box and we'll see those and do our best to to lob them Katie's direction and interact with them in the few minutes that we have left. But uh, Katie, maybe, um, you know, I, I would love to hear you talk just a little more about maybe each of the three things you said. You, you, you know, this, mm -hmm. this was a surprise to me when you said it's not really so much about the theology. It's more about the culture and, and getting to that clarity. Um, do you think most people probably understand that? Because I, I, I'll confess, I was one who assumed that the churches that did the best job were the ones that were maybe more, a little more permissive in their theology than, than others. But that's probably, what, that's not what you found out, is it? That was my assumption too. And I think for most of us who have grown up in church environments or been leading for a while, we know that the theology is such a hot topic. And I think it's easy to feel like we either believe in women leaders or we don't believe in women leaders. And there's kind of this binary option. At least that's how I grew up. And I don't even think anyone ever said that to me. I just sort of picked it up through the years and the different churches that I went to uh, as I grew older and went to college and as a young adult. 
Uh, and I think that's really a shame. In fact, one of the resources I have, if people are interested, is actually a, a framework of sort of a spectrum of theological views on this. And I think part of the first step, especially around this theology piece, is we get away from this idea that I'm either for or against. I'm either with women or against women, or that women have to choose that I either think we should do stuff or don't think we should do stuff. Um, and so that, you know, anytime there's a binary choice, it really limits our ability to think creatively and, and really hear what God is maybe trying to tell us. So moving away from that, and that was one of the big uh, fun parts of the research is to go, man, my assumptions are really being blown out of the water here. It really has to do with how well are we being the kind of environments where females can bring their leadership gifts. And really, honestly, everyone can bring their leadership gifts. And obviously, the cultures that have more language around that, more systems, more opportunities built in are, are better for women to bring their leadership gifts, but they're better for all sorts of people to bring all of their gifts. Uh, and so those cultures really have a synergistic effect We're, versus other cultures, uh, which I've been a part of both, and to be honest, have led both. <laughs> and I think, you know, I spent most of the book being really convicted because I've served in some very high level leadership roles. And there were many things I was doing that were not helpful to women. And they were harmful to myself, but they were really harmful to many other people. And I just did it because I was a part of it. And I I was taught this is how we do it. So I just kind of kept propagating that. Um, and so I think that's why I have such a passion about this is because I've, I've come from those places. Those seemed like right decisions to me at the time also. And I just, I understand that we just have more options than those two that we can sometimes easily assume. That's really a, a good word about, you know, people that have a theology that that is um, maybe more restrictive than another's theology aren't going to want to say you know, that, that they don't want women to serve. Um, and people with progressive, so to speak, theology are probably unaware of some of the ways that they're still with their culture hindering women to serve. So I think that's just a profound and important insight because isn't it at the end of the day, you talk about your passion for this, isn't it about unleashing the church and all of its gifts and all this broad array yes. to just like, if how, how deeply do you have to, to, to believe in the great commission and in the urgency and importance of this stewardship we've been given with the gospel? to 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 be convinced that we probably ought to use all the gifts in all the ways we can. I mean, I don't think you have to be very convinced of it at all. And so I mean, but that is in fact what we're up against. I just appreciate it. That's an important word, you know, and I think liberating for probably a lot of people who maybe are serving in environments where they've been saying, well, that's their theology, when really maybe it's just about how much do we care about this mission and how can we at least unleash women in the ways the New Testament did? Let's at least go that far. Okay. Yeah, well, and I think too, when, when you're in a culture that does have some roles that women aren't welcome to serve in. And I've grown up, you know, I grew up in a church like that. It was a wonderful place to grow up. I've served in many churches like that. I did not feel limited. I know very few people who want to be a senior pastor anyway. And so it's, um, but I think because it's such a theologically challenging and uh, kind of a hot topic, what we've done in those environments is is we have uh, over broadcast the roles women are not uh, invited to participate. And we've under talked about all of the hundreds and hundreds of leadership roles yeah. women are invited to lead and serve in. 
even in very conservative or complementary environments, there are hundreds of leadership roles that women can take. But for women, when we grow up in those environments, uh, we oftentimes don't hear those things. And so we assume that almost no leadership roles are open to us. And that is really not even according to that theology. So it's just, again, it's about being more accurate and making sure we're saying and living out exactly what we believe, not a version of it or based on assumption. Just such a great point. So clarify theology, get to clarity so that women in your context will have a sense that I'm invited into this to bring what I can do and be in this setting, regardless of of where your theology may draw lines and so forth. That's a great point. So this whole thing about the, the did you invent the, did you create the phrase um, reach beyond the sticky floor or, or the stained glass ceiling? Uh, <laughs> no, that, those are not my, those, I wish I had come up with those phrases, but no, those are based out of the research, uh, mostly from the marketplace and academics around women in leadership. As we've been tracking that the last 40 or 50 years, we, me meaning I read other people's research about that. Uh, But yeah, that sticky floor is quite an interesting phenomena. And I would say just on behalf of all the guys out there who are like, I feel like an imposter sometimes, or I sometimes don't feel confident. It's really a a human experience, but we find it so much more for women or other minorities who have grown up in cultures where they didn't see a lot of people like them doing leadership. It's easy to assume that I probably shouldn't, or that's not for me. Um, You know, there's kind of a phrase that talks about if you can see it, you can be it. And we mentioned at the beginning of this, just the importance of role models. It's one of the reasons, even though this is not a topic that I felt like I should wave a banner about or, you know, give my life to you. I feel like it's important as one of the few women who've been able to lead at executive levels in very big, influential churches, speak at conferences. I feel like I have a responsibility to show up and have conversations like this because I want other women to know uh, that it's a possibility. And uh, those of us in sort of this first generation, I think uh, part of it is not that we have to do everything perfect. We just need to be willing to show up and say we did something or we want to try something. Uh, That changes the dialogue for the guys we work with. It changes the narrative we're telling ourselves. And it really changes the story of the people who are watching us and are up and coming. So that sticky floor is something we all have to work on for everyone. uh, But it's worth paying special attention to any of the minorities in your leadership circles that you're wanting to invite in, because it's an extra hard step for them to take. That's good. And it does seem like, you know, any leader is going to you know, a Christian leader is going to have that constant um, awareness about other leaders around me who might need to be valued, poured into, uh, lifted up, that I see something in you. I mean, I so I told Katie that um, in preparation for this, I found myself asking some of our women leaders, like, talk to me a little bit about what it's like right now. Uh, how can we get better at this? What's been most helpful? And all of them, one thing they all said was, when male leaders saw things in them and told them, they were like, wow, it was long before I recognized it in myself. When, when I, I, I've been part of those, some of those conversations and I know everyone else around them saw potential and wow, this person is really sharp. And I think there's a lot of leadership in you. And I, I can only imagine where that could go in a couple of years, you get some more skills under your belt, but they didn't see it. They didn't feel it. They didn't own it in a way that would allow them to sort of, you know, and so we can talk all day about why that is, but I think you're right. I work a lot with male leaders and I find actually exactly the same thing. And I guess I can only assume as a man that I would want to take that and kind of put a maybe at times two in terms of what it's like in a, in a church culture that maybe hasn't been the most hospitable. 
uh, mm -hmm. to, you know, to women serving and leading in different ways, that there might be a little more tentativeness there. And that just leads me to this, what a, what a, it's almost a kind of hospitality, isn't it? Like a sort of mm -hmm. gracious, generous in, inclusion to say, man, we want you to be, you know, just that extra encouragement we all need as we're developing disciples of any kind. And I love your thrust there that, you know, whether you're a person of color or any other kind of person that may feel have reason to feel there's a sticky floor beneath me, boy, leaders, the best leaders I know are, are, are pulling and pushing on both from the top and the bottom. And I appreciate that point a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that it's hard for some guys to realize, I call them the good guys, right? Guys who are like wanting to do a better job with this. Uh, and one of the things I talk about in my first book, Developing Female Leaders, are the things that guys can do uh, to do that. And speaking and really affirming giftedness for women is an important one. And the reason is because uh, you all grow up with leadership terminology in your churches. It's part of your discipleship is you're going to be a strong man one day. Man, when you take the lead, when you lead your family, when you speak up, people listen. It's part of your culture. Um, most of us who grew up in women's cultures, you know, I got a lot affirmed about um, my kind spirit, my big smile, my joyful personality. Those are great things about me. I love those things about me. But none of that is leadership descriptors. So most of the leadership qualities I got told to be a little quieter or why are you so bossy, right? So when you talk to me about things that seem commonplace to you, this, you've been telling people this, you've been hearing this about yourself all your life. Most women have not. And so you mentioned something that seems like an obvious trait for a woman, even a woman in her 40s, there's a really good chance you're the first person to say that out loud to her. So you're giving her new language to understand who she is and how God made her. So your your words mean about a thousand times more than what a pretty smile, right? I've heard that my whole life. I haven't heard, boy, you really are articulate, right? I didn't start hearing that till I was in my 30s. And I look back on my experiences and I'm like, I've always kind of been articulate, but no one said that to me till my 30s. Think about that. That's so mm -hmm. different than most guys who probably got that starting at about eight years old. So that's why what you say matters. And it and a little effort goes a long way. Anything else you'd say to, to male leaders who want to be good guys and say, I, I think this is important. I, I, I think I'm doing OK. But is there any other sort of like big thing that you'd say to man, men leaders and maybe they're a pastor of a church or they're leading a youth ministry or leading a small group where they have, you know, men and women in the group, what would you say? Any, any, any big sort of takeaway there? Well, I just encourage everyone to keep asking questions, keep putting out surveys, keep sitting down with the women on your team and saying, you know, what's it like to be a female leader here? What can I do different? What can we do different? Teach me what I'm still, you know, missing. Uh, I think one of the, the, the most fun conversations I have are with uh, some of the guys like you that are like, we work really hard on this and we followed the advice in your book and we send out a survey and we find out that we're actually doing terrible at this. We <laughs> thought all this stuff we were doing was really doing great. And they basically are like, we don't feel like we're getting anything. And I think, you know, that gap between what guys are doing, um, which are good hearted, great strategies, a lot of intention, but what women are seeing, feeling and hearing, there's still a big gap, even in our uh, most attentive cultures. So uh, what's great about it is that if we get better, kind of what I mentioned in the talk, if we get better for uh, women, if we as leaders stretch ourselves, grow our capacity, change our language, change our mindsets, upgrade our habits, as we get better, it's not just about women, it's about all the people God has given us to steward. And so by having that conversation, by asking those questions, as you mentioned, by anyone on your team, age, race, gender, 
socioeconomic status, as we expand our ability to lead more and more people uh, who are different than us, the greater our leadership impact, the more we're multiplying, the more we're really seeing the kingdom of heaven come into our local churches, the more we're really being the body of Christ. So everybody wins when we humble ourselves and ask the questions. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Katie, as you were listening to yourself talk um, and hearing again the 2020 um, presentation when we were partway through this pandemic, I wonder if there's any part of you that's thought, man, since then it's even changed a little more. You talked about some mm -hmm. real practical things we can do for women. Is there anything else that you think, you know, uh, in the cultures we're creating and in this work situations we're we're fostering that has become even more important since the pandemic has worn on even further than when you spoke uh, at Spire? Yeah, so we're one year, just over one year into the pandemic when we're recording this. We have almost 3 million professional women who have left the workforce because of COVID. And that is detrimental on many levels. Uh, it really changes the dynamic of our workforce. It uh, really takes a lot of women who have high capacities and high involvement out of companies and businesses and churches and nonprofits and schools, all the places where women like everyone else are bringing giftedness. Uh, and we're going to really be feeling the repercussions of that ongoing. So I think for cultures who are really trying to make progress around female leadership, keeping uh, women in their role becomes a really important strategy. And I would just encourage everyone to think creatively to, with this. When a uh, one of your women staff members or one of your key volunteer leaders I'm not talking about every woman on your team um, or every woman involved in ministry. I mean, like the, the women who are leaders that you've been pouring into, that you see potential in, that you know has giftedness and a calling. Uh, if she wants to back away, I would just encourage you to not take a full resignation on the first conversation. At least engage the conversation. Uh, there are probably creative things and resources that you have to offer her that she's not thinking of. Most women who are backing away are in a crisis. Their kids are failing school. Their parents are uh, suffering from COVID. They're trying to navigate um, all of these worlds that they're floating. And so it's, but it's not going to last forever. And you as a leader can see beyond the crisis that she's in. So in, I encourage you to do things like let her take a leave of absence, help her know what her FMLA benefits are. Uh, if it's a volunteer role, maybe take it down um, to just a temporary leave of absence, but leave the role and the title open for her assign a staff member to fill in for the next six months uh, so that she can step back into it. If it's a full-time employee, offer to take her down to part-time or uh, let her keep her title, but give her an assistant or give her an assistant director, something where six or 12 months from now, she can step back in and not have to take a major demotion. Because most women, even if they're operating as a manager, a director, an executive director, if they had to choose between their career and their family, they're going to choose their family, uh, but they're going to come back in as a coordinator or maybe as a low-level manager. It takes her about five years to replicate her progress. If you can just give her a temporary leave of absence where she can come back in, her career stays on track. Her leadership influence in your culture stays on track. Everything keeps moving forward as she's taking care of the things that she needs to take care of. So just don't take uh, no or resignation uh, too easily. Obviously, we want you to respect her decision, but please give her at least three options of a different way to go about doing this and put some money and some flexibility where your mouth is. I know it will be worth it on the other side. Wow, that that is some good practical advice. I can see your master's degree in human resource development coming through there a little <laughs> bit uh, with detailed thoughts. You've thought this through 
about some super practical things. That's great for us to be to to have in our satchel as we because I think you're right. We're probably going to be seeing some of um, some real attrition and repercussions, as you say, for a long time, probably because women do bear the great responsibility at home and COVID has taken its toll. Um, friends, we've been with Katie Cole today. Her book, her latest book is Find Your Leadership Voice in 90 Days. Um, she was one of our featured main session speakers at our Spire Conference 2020. And uh, you can find that talk if here uh, uh, on this Spirecast, episode number 10. Uh, thank you for joining us. We hope this has been super helpful to you. And uh, I want to make sure that you know about um, our 2021 Spire Conference, which is um, September 14 to 16. We're going to be live and in person, uh, safely so, in Nashville, Tennessee. Again, September 14 to 16. It's at the Gaylord Hotel and Conference Center, a beautiful place. And uh, it's a it's going to be, I've already had a chance to see some of the lineup. It's going to be fantastic and filled with also those opportunities for breakouts and conversations and huddles and learning like that. Um, Katie, thank you again so much for what you're doing for your time today and for uh, your ongoing ministry that way. How can people get a hold of you, Katie? Sure. Thank you, Ben, for having me. Uh, the best place is on my website, katiecole.com, K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E. And all my resources and the new book and everything is there. So, um, And feel free to reach out on social media, at Katie Cole. Thanks so much once again. And everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, whether you've been in person with us or joining us online on demand sometime later, uh, keep leading strongly. Look to Spire to help connect you with all the things that you need to do your job you're called to do. Um, that concludes episode number 10. Thanks for joining us once and one, one and all, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.